0: Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, Darren and I talk about dying light and what makes that game so much fun. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McCain.
1: Well, I know, Dennis, we talk a lot about gaming on the extras because what good is an enthusiast PC if you can't do something fun, right? Exactly. So last time we got together and talked games, I was talking about Dying Light.
0: Yes, that, um, and I bought it.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm glad you did because I have been playing it a lot, as you know, Mm -hmm. and I thought that we should talk a little bit about it because, let's face it, it's been a while since we found a game that we both like. Yeah,
0: since Borderlands 2, for that matter.
1: Well, yeah, and I gave the new Borderlands prequel a shot, and it just didn't hook me. And so it was a pleasant surprise that Dying Light did. All right.
0: So So what is Dying Light for those people that don't know? Well, let's see. Dying Light is basically a zombie survival first-person shooter with a little bit of parkour.
1: Yeah. Now, I've played games similar. So the parkour element to me is reminiscent of maybe Dishonored or... Uh, games of that like the uh, Assassin's Creed, for example. But not
0: mm-hmm. that's not even really a great description of it. No, I mean, um, Mirror's Edge is probably a close um, comparison in terms of like how you move around in the environment. The um, And we mentioned this in the past Extra. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's no original games, right? So there's a lot that Dying Light kind of borrows from a lot of other games.
1: That's true. Now, Dying Light is not the first game in the series if you are talking about it from a spiritual standpoint because Mm -hmm. the same developer was involved with the Dead Island series.
0: Right, and I've actually played the Dead Island series. I like it a lot, although it's one of those that you need to have co-op because it's really hard to get through it as one person.
1: Now, I picked up those games and just never really found an excuse to play them. Mm -hmm. But Dying Light won me over, and primarily it won me over because it... Really goes open world, and I like that because I find that if I get bored with what's going on, I can just go out and just play for fun and kill a little bit of time.
0: Right. So um, before we get too much into this, we should probably alert people. If you've not played Dying Light, we're going to kind of spoil a lot of it because... um <laughs> I'm, what, 35 hours into it, I think?
1: Oh, my gosh. And I am pretty close to that.
0: And I, I still haven't completed everything. I'm only 78% done. So, um, But a lot of the missions Darren and I have both played, so we'll probably just kind of talk about what we found. Exactly.
1: And to be fair, you can't talk even really about the core storyline without spoiling it because what you think the game is going to be about and what it throws you at almost immediately are not necessarily the same thing.
0: No. So actually would just start it. So, um, your GRE agent, which i forget what GRE stands for actually, but
1: um, yeah, that's not important.
0: Yeah. So there's a, an epidemic that happens is basically a viral epidemic. They say it's a combination between rabies and
1: an outbreak, something. if yeah. you will. Yeah.
0: So you get dropped in there to go after some plans that somebody had stolen, so that uh, they can actually cure it or something like that.
1: And in fact, it's a little more complicated than that because you're actually an endopageant agent that was hired by the GRE, and that makes sense in the story because there's some shifting allegiances that happen as the game progresses. Survivor, anyone? (laughs) No kidding. And in fact, I'm reminded a little bit of the TV show Helix, which if you haven't checked out, the first season of it uh, has a very similar virus
0: outbreak. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you get dumped in and basically immediately attacked by a biter so that you become infected. So then you need, uh, anison is the, uh, antiviral that they administer everybody.
1: And of course it's not a cure. So a lot of the game is spent tracking down, uh, the cure or ways to slow the infection. Uh-huh. And as you'd expect from any good zombie game, there are volatiles is what they call them. They're not actually zombies.
0: No. And, uh, the volatiles look like, um, The vampires out of the Blade series.
1: (laughs) It's funny you say that. So in the game, you'll hear them referred to as infecteds or volatiles, but they never used the zombie term. So is it a zombie game? No, it's an infected game. (laughs) Of course not. But it works the same way. And one of the really unique things about the game that you have to mention up front is the game has a day-night cycle to it. Mm -hmm. And the cycle runs about 60 minutes. I want to say it's a little longer than that. And mostly daylight, and you have about a seven or eight minute nighttime, and that's real time.
0: Yeah, and that's, uh, that's tough. That is a tough one.
1: So at night, the game changes dramatically. How so, Dennis? How so?
0: Well, uh, much like, um, so what is it, uh, you uh, Metal Gear Solid, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you need to sneak around. And the reason you sneak around is because of the volatiles that you see on your map. These guys are um, hyper-powerful, hyper-fast, basically one-shot, one-kill sort of things when you're... A bit squishy, kind of below level 10 in your skill tree. If not more. If not more. They will kill you in an instant.
1: So I want to step back a little bit because those are the volatiles that you talked about that remind you of Blade, and that's a great description. Mm -hmm. But what we haven't mentioned is the RPG slash crafting element, which is very lightly applied in the game.
0: Yeah, that's the the level portion of it. So um, if you've ever played Deus Ex, when you're playing through the game, you can uh, actually— unlock a bunch of skills in a different skill tree, and then you can, um, you know, hack computers faster or you can actually jump faster. Well, same as in Dying Light, you can unlock certain skills like um, a curb stomp or a 360 windmill sort of thing where if you have a sledgehammer, you can knock down everybody all around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you also get a bit of health regeneration. You learn how to turn cars into car bombs. You know, these sorts of things, these are the skills that you can unlock.
1: Uh-huh. And one of the other things to mention is the crafting and that is that you can find different elements i mean string batteries electronic components and you can use those with blueprints that you find in the game to upgrade weapons or to build different types of equipment that will aid you in your journey and as you progress you learn more and more of these different building techniques skyrim anyone (laughs) kind of and i like that these are lightly applied so the reality is that you find equipment about as fast as you can build it. Just the stuff that you build tends to be a little bit nicer mm-hmm. because you can modify it. So, for example, you might be using a, a carpenter's hammer, for example, and you would craft an element to it that gives it sort of a, a razor effect, so they bleed, or a lightning effect so that it shocks enemies and does shock damage. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're doing that sort of thing. But it
0: also has firearms, Yes, although the firearms are um, only useful in certain situations because of, again, the Volatiles. The
1: Volatiles, that's right, because if you make a noise in Dying Light, you attract the upgraded Volatiles, the infected that move faster, have some intelligence, or the big nasties, depending on
0: what time of day it is. Right, and those are the people you want to avoid. So um, to somewhat balance the game during the day, um, You get points, agility points, for running around. You get combat points for actually killing some of the zombies that are in the street. At night, the points are actually doubled. Mm
1: -hmm. And the third kind of points that you've missed is survivor points.
0: Survivor points.
1: And those are the maddening ones because that raises your core level, which makes better, more interesting stuff available. Not only equipment, but abilities. But if you die... You lose those points. Oh, no. Of course, back to your previous level. Yep. So you definitely want to be careful if you're close to leveling and take fewer chances.
0: Yeah. Although if you survive a night, which I've done that a couple of times where, you know, you can just, and this goes back to your previous comment where you kind of get bored with the mission. So you just kind of run around. So you to say, Hey, I'm going to run across the map from this safe house to this safe house, and I'm not going to run into any vault house. So you're jumping off rooftops and running down the street, looking for the little cones of vision and going around them. All right. And if you survive the night without being detected, you get extra points. If you survive the night and you've actually explored a certain amount of the map, you get extra points. And those are actually, they add up very, very fast.
1: That's right. In fact, when I talk to players that have played more seriously, I find a lot of them prefer to only play at night. And you can change the day-night cycle very simply by going into a safe area and finding your sleeping bag or whatever yep. and resting until nighttime. So you can actually force the time to go to day or force the time to go to night. And if you play at night, you'll progress dramatically faster. But of course there's a much higher risk. Yeah. But there is a
0: danger that you could overpower where you're at in the mission progression. Yeah. Cause, um, much like borderlands 2, another game <laughs> right. parallel, um, the weapons are scaled to your particular level. So if you are on a mission that's the low-level mission, the weapons that will end up dropping from the enemies will be like a green or a blue. Whereas if you're later on in the missions, you might get gold weapons or purple weapons.
1: That's right. With more power, more abilities to repair, more upgrades available to make Mm. them even stronger. So you can imagine that if you uh, really milked it, You could uh, get yourself so powerful that, at least in the entry area, uh, it's very difficult for you to be killed by anything but the big bad guys. Yeah.
0: So um, as with any Steam game, you also run into achievements. Yes. And I know that uh, you, Mr. Darren there, you like to uh, achievement hunt.
1: I do. And in fact, that's a side effect of the open world for me. I might get bored with the missions that I have available. So I tend to take a look at the achievements and go, well, I don't really feel like going and saving what's his face. So instead I'm going to, Oh, try to do this achievement. An example might be to, to climb to the highest area or, uh, jump off a bridge at night or kill so many people with a specific type of trap, that kind of thing. Yep. And so being as I'm a bit more of a completist, I tend to also look for every side quest. And those tend to give me a little bit more
0: enthusiasm for the achievements because a lot of those are tied together. Yeah. The the classic one was um, there's a bridge. <laughs> right. That uh, the Haran Bridge or something like that. And if you climb to the very top of it, and it's one of those where you have to, um, if you go in from the very, very bottom, you'll get dumped out onto the street and then you have to run through a bunch of infected to get to the other side so that you can actually climb up. And then you do... Um, a zip line across, and it's basically a big zigzag back and forth. Right. And if you fall, you land on the street and you die. But <laughs> yes. When you get up to the very, very top, there's a, a white box, which is, um, there's lock picking that uh-huh. you have to figure out how to get in. And the white ones are hard, so they hire loot in there. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Although I had bad luck last run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then um, there's a blueprint up there, but there's also an achievement if you jump off of it into the water Woohoo. which um i found that that one on accident because you know i i posted this in my my steam profile it's like hey i'm on the top of the world now how do i get down
1: yeah and it's very assassin's creed in a sense uh you can drop into the water and survive but you can also drop into uh like trash bags and that sort of stuff to cushion your fall
0: yeah trash bags are a those are littered all over the place, actually. Uh-huh. When you're free running along, if you see a ramp that goes up uh, to a fence or something like that, there's usually trash bags on the other side. So you can run very, very quickly through the map, um, especially at night when you're trying to not get eaten by oh, a yeah. Very um, important. Yeah. So running and not stopping is basically the only thing that's going to keep you alive. So there is, um, in the game, there's two basic maps. There's the slums, which is where you start out. Right. And those have, um, you know, slummy buildings. But they also have um, airdrops that you can kind of go after and and, um, get extra points. They're usually guarded by somebody, so you get to attack some of the um, Reese's men.
1: Oh, that's right. So in addition to the zombies, or I'm sorry, infected, You also have a couple of different groups that are vying for control. And then there are some small independent groups that you can interact with also. But you've got essentially the peace-loving, we've-got-to-save-everybody folk, Mm -hmm. which, of course, you might want to white hat for. And then you've got uh, the militant warlord and his group, which you might want to black hat for. And the game will let you do a little bit of both, actually force you to work for Mm -hmm. both a little bit so you have the opportunity to rescue uh people from not only our vicious warlord mm-hmm. but also from the zombies lots yeah. of different ways to gain experience
0: yeah and much like um the side quest in skyrim where you know they just continually come after you when uh-huh. you run into these random encounters is what they call them in the game they will reward you with either cash or you might get a weapon mod and uh a lot of in the early portion of you got juggernaut which increases the durability, durability of your weapon. So you didn't have to repair it as often. Right. And then later on, you might get um, some of the more advanced ones that will increase damage, durability and handling. And that just increases the the melee ability of all the weapons you get.
1: Are there only two areas? Really? I wasn't sure that was true. I don't know
0: yet. Well, I'm speaking mostly of major areas. Oh, that's true. So we have the the slum area and that's basically the first half of the, of the game. And then you move into the Old Town, which you can see from the slums. It's over the, on the other side of the bay. Right. And in Old Town, it looks a lot like, um, I want to say it's like looks a lot like France. You think? Yeah, kind of France, but maybe somewhere in Iran or something like that. I well,
1: see, and I, it gave me more of like a like a plantation-y, like uh, San Juan sort of
0: feel. Yeah, that could have been it too. So, anyway. It's hard to say exactly, but the... The new area, the buildings are closer together and you can... Much taller. Much taller, yeah. You can easily get anywhere in the city by just jumping over the rooftops and either using your grappling hook or running across, taking your free running into account. Whereas in the slums, you could run across the street and the, the density of the infected wasn't as high. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Old Town, it's a lot more dense. So you don't want to run across the street unless you want to...
1: Yeah, it's very easy to get snagged, and if you're engaged in hand-to-hand combat, uh, you can be overwhelmed quickly, even by the most basic folks. And and actually, I want to talk a little bit about the world, because there's one thing that I think is really important that most people don't mention, uh, and that is the diversity of the game, which is, is very unique, at least in the games that I've played, in that there are just an amazing variety of people and accents and races and... And that sort of thing in the game, Uh, you know, for an area that is kind of loosely based around, you know, maybe France, maybe San Juan, Mm -hmm. uh, you're interacting with some of the best voice acting that I've seen in a long time.
0: Yeah, the the voice acting is amazing, especially as your character. Um, You know, when he interacts with um, side missions, for instance, you know, if it's actually it sounds like a boring mission, he'll say it's a boring mission (laughs) which is entertaining i don't have time for this but you know what do you have for me yeah um the guy that runs the tower he sounds like he has a french accent everyone's speaking english obviously
1: well and some are gonna like you and some
0: don't like you but
1: they'll interact with you and that really affects the way you interact with them
0: too which is kind of cool yeah um, I have noticed that a lot of the names in the game are kind of like Indian, Middle Eastern sort of yeah, names. Yeah, I noticed that too. So you don't run into, well, I, I say don't, but you ran into an American and they made him obviously very um, cowboy, if uh-huh. you will. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a bit of stereotyping going on on both sides of it. Where the thing that is interesting about that though is that games that we have played in the past have always had a a Western basis. Oh, yeah. So all the names are, you know, Western folks. Like... um, Very white. Very (laughs) white. Yeah. Battlefield, for instance. Uh uh, Everybody's kind of from the Midwest, right? Um, Call of Duty is the same way. Even Medal of Honor was the same way. Even though it was set in the Middle East, it was still... Well, you were playing against the bad guys, but they always thought that they were the good guys also. (laughs) Right. Although in Dying Light, it's like everybody kind of got dumped into this quarantine zone and it was kind of a melting pot. So either there was like a, like a, um, you know, like a sporting event or something like that, a big soccer match. And then the outbreak happened and it just brought in a bunch of people from all over the world. Yeah, that's
1: true. And there was a big event. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. In fact, one of the coolest things for me is fairly early on. It explains why parkour is such a big element in a way that actually makes sense Um, And this is a big spoiler, but it turns out that the leader of one of the resistance groups was actually a parkour instructor Mm. and he had uh, come into town to drum up some business and ended up teaching the more able survivors how to survive by using the parkour that he was there to uh, be a teacher of. So there's how they explained away the parkour and it was kind of clever and sort of like a throwaway, like, Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: And the fact that, it probably wasn't America Um, means that there's not going to be a lot of weapons around. So like Reese's men, for instance, they have stockpiled a lot of firearms. Right. If you happen to take one of them down, you might be able to pick up a pistol. You might be able to get a rifle or a shotgun for that matter. Um, But but everything else is melee based.
1: And expect to play a long time before you can get any kind
0: of weapons without taking them from someone. Oh yeah. Or ammo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The uh, quartermaster Every day he would have at least one weapon and a bunch of supplies like gauze and med packs and lockpicks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Later on, you pick up a blueprint to be able to make lockpicks. So, if you have metal parts, you can make a lockpick out of it. And a metal part can come from a zombie that you've killed or from a weapon that's broken. You can tear it down and actually get metal parts from it. Whenever I have like a purple weapon that I'm favoriting at the time and I pick up a green one, I'll go and disassemble it to get metal parts. Right. right. At one point I had like 200 pieces of metal parts. So I made <laughs> 200 lock picks. And then I also upgraded the weapons a couple of times. And there's a, uh, a secret. Well, there's a lot of Easter eggs in the game. Oh yeah, that's right. And one of them is the, I'm going to mangle the name but it's the Karnak uh, machete. Ah, uh, yeah. And it's one, it's on the top of a building behind some boxes and in a box you got to kick a whole bunch of times and it opens up and it gives you a blueprint and it's the most powerful machete that you can get in the game i still need to find that and uh it takes an exorbitantly high amount of metal parts and alcohol i think oh no (laughs) to make but once you make the weapon it's 500 plus damage. Wow, that's pretty good, especially this early. Yeah, and you, but the problem is you um, you can upgrade it to have even more damage, but you can't craft on it. So you can't add the electrical effects or the toxic effects. Mm-hmm. But at 500 plus damage, you don't necessarily need that.
1: Yeah, well, and that's, uh, that's probably the balancer on that. Well, we've talked quite a bit about the mechanics, mm-hmm. but... We haven't
0: talked about the missions. Missions. Well, what mission do you want to talk about? What, what do you do? So we're talking Easter eggs. Oh, okay. So, um, so I I
1: should share that the game really has a lot of fun Easter egging.
0: Oh my gosh, it's an amazing amount of stuff. Yeah, like Destiny, the the um, loot cave in Destiny. Remember right? that was like a kind of a big deal. Yeah. There's a, a secret egg you can go, um, you kill a bunch of zombies. There's a couple of boxes. There's not really loot per se, but um, the Easter egg there is <laughs> you get in there, you kill a bunch of zombies, and then it flashes a, a message across the screen, patch 1.02 apply, go get some more loot or something <laughs> like that, which is a message from destiny.
1: Sure. And I am sure I've seen signs for left for bread, bread company.
0: Yeah. Which would be left for dead.
1: I know, although I haven't done it, that there's a hidden Mario world that I've been looking for, but I haven't gotten desperate enough to Google
0: it. Yeah, and if you um, zip line down off of a radio tower twice, so you zip down once and then there's a wire right next to it, zip down again, you run into Plants vs. Zombies.
1: Oh, yay!
0: It's a little mini-game where the, the herbs that you can pick up are you know, basically being like pea shooters. and How frosty. funny. So
1: so they've had a lot of fun with this. And there's DLC available, of course, the usual season pass, and they'll nickel and dime you a little bit for mm-hmm. outfits if you're the kind of guy that
0: wants to have every outfit. Yeah, the uh, the DLC that I got when I bought the game was to become the hunter. That's so.
1: right. So let's talk about co-op with that. So yeah. there are two co-op modes. And the one that Dennis is talking about is is the hunter. So one player invades another player's game as one of the infected.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I have not done that yet, so I can't really speak to it, although it seems a lot like Evolve. Uh So you get your four players together, one person happens to be a hunter, and you can go and, um, I guess, you either try to avoid the guy or you try to kill the guy.
1: Probably the most interesting part of that for me is the game browser uh, allows you to filter... And the most common filter is for uh, allowing friends to see your game. I'd I'd say that's probably what most folks do, uh, unless they're desperate for company maybe or wanting a challenge. But what happens, Dennis, is when you want to play as the infected invade another game, it doesn't tell the player that you've joined.
0: Oh, well, that's new.
1: So you can go into their game and hunt them before they realize that you're there. Now, that would be kind of fun. So we need to try that, and I've been meaning to try it, but I'm <laughs> also told, having not done it, because we've been having so much fun with the regular co-op, that uh, you level up your infected, so you gain infected powers.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right, because you have a, a certain amount of skills that you can do. Uh-huh. Obviously, no melee weapons or anything like that. But
1: So it'll be interesting. However, I do know from perusing uh, reviews and, and other webs that, the prevailing attitude is that it's very out of balance right now in favor of the humans. So yeah. the infected, unless you're getting really newbie humans, you don't have much of a chance. And that is because, uh, the humans are fast and they have firearms.
0: Well, and if you played long enough, you have gold machetes that have been mm-hmm. crafted and upgraded. to Exactly. The so but in terms of like actual co-op though, you yes. can do, um, uh, four way co-op just like in borderlands. Right. And you, the host of the game, their missions are the ones that you are trying to complete.
1: So let's talk about that a little bit, because this, I think, was like the big cherry on top of an otherwise pretty great game. So Dying Light looks really amazing, but it does require a bit of a PC to run it. Mm-hmm. So if you want everything on high or max, you better have a pretty beefy machine and a really beefy video card. Yes. So, I, I can attest. As an example, I have the two 770s in my system, and I have everything on high, but not everything on very high. And the view distance is, I think, on high also. It will run on very high, but then in the midst of the madness, I can feel the slowdown.
0: Right. And I have the GTX 780 classified. Um, so, it's factory overclock 780. I had everything turned up to max running at 19 by 12, which is my screen resolution. Right. And it was, um, the frame rate was visibly, visibly um, hindering. Oh no. It was still 30 frames, but when you would spin around, you could actually kind of feel the story. Oh No, I love tearing. So I, well, it didn't even look tearing because I have a kind of a high quality monitor, but, um, I had to turn down a couple of the Nvidia effects to bring up the speed And be able to play the game in such a way that I was coming accustomed.
1: So this is probably the first time that I've ever used the NVIDIA game experience front end to tune and launch a game. And it tuned the cards slightly lower than I would have expected, but I found that it was pretty accurate. And the only thing I really missed was the draw distance and only very rare parts. Now, the game we already talked about is open world so very rarely is there a load, and
0: that's most often when you go from the exterior map to an all-interior map. Yeah, like going into sewers or going into a certain building where there's different game mechanics and stuff.
1: So the reason I talk about the machine in general was that really highlights how good
0: the co-op is. Yes, because um, when we joined our games, you know, neither of us have really impressive DSLs. Mm-hmm. Um, there was really no lag between the gameplay at all. Not not not, at all. Not a lot of bits traveling back and forth, unlike with Borderlands, where sometimes you would get a bit of lag when you were joining someone else's game and they Mm -hmm. were running around because so much data had to go back and forth.
1: And it's important to point out that because of the open world, there's really no reason for you to be anywhere near the other player except for to trigger the quest points, which require both people to
0: be present,
1: which makes sense because otherwise you'd just clear the map
0: very quickly as a team. well, And a a couple of times when we were just kind of trolling around, you know, I took off, went all the way across the map and then you got attacked by (laughs) some infected and I had to run all the way back and try to revive you. But yeah, um, yeah, there's no reason to be anywhere close. I could be clear across the map doing another side mission, but until you have to um, turn it in, you don't necessarily have to be together.
1: Yeah. It's very, very exciting and smooth as silk. In fact, the game dynamically spawns co-op challenges as you're playing. As an example, I might set a waypoint so that Dennis and I could go to the same place easily by triggering the map. And as soon as I place it, it pops up a thing and says, Hey, do you want to trigger a challenge to see who can be the first person to the waypoint? And you can say yes or no to accept or decline it. Mm-hmm. And if you accept, it has no impact on the game at all except for that little challenge running on the top. And whoever wins the challenge gets a small survivor point bonus,
0: which is cool. Yeah. You can also do um, how much loot you get. Like if I go and loot a box, right. then it spawns a who can get the most loot challenge yeah. or who can kill the most infected challenge.
1: And they're all timed and they're not even particularly long. So Mm-mm. even if someone triggers a challenge and you're like, all right, well, let me stop and do this real quick. It's not going to eat a lot of your game time away from whatever you're trying to accomplish.
0: Well, so to speak. <laughs> Wait. Well, I mean, What was it? Last night, I was um, sitting down and I wanted to do one mission, and it turned out to be a really long mission. Started at 1130. Next thing I know, it's three in the morning. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, that's not a bad thing, really, because that's how immersive the game can be, because it really gives you that, oh, I could just go clear one more safe house because it's kind of (laughs) nearby. Or, oh, there's one more mission point that's kind of close to where I'm at. I'll just go grab that real quick oh, it's night. Okay, now I've got to survive the night so I can get my bonus survivor points and and that type of thing. And it's, to me, it's organic. It doesn't feel forced ever. By the same token, you know, if I need to get up and help with the kids or something, I can walk away and it will respawn me when I come back at whatever the nearest safe house was with no loss of progress. So, Uh, that's, I think, kind of unique to the game also. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, unlike um, Borderlands Co-op, where if you die, you spawn back at the spawn point, and then you might have to run all the way across the map to get back to where you need
1: to be. Yeah, and that can be very frustrating, especially if you've cleared a lot of area because you're just basically doing nothing until you catch up. Yep. So anyway, Dying Light, very cool. Price is coming down. I would recommend it on the PC, I think, although you could play it on the PC with a controller, I think, and really enjoy it because it, it will play well, I think, with a controller, mm-hmm. because of the parkour aspect. Uh, auto A, maybe not so much.
0: Right. Well, there's only, what, four buttons that you need to mash. You know, mm-hmm. you have the E and the F. Those are pre-programmed in there. Um, space bar kind of jumps you. So they did a really good job of paring down the controls so that they work well with the controller. Although I kind of wish that there was more buttons, like, um, you know, when you activate a skill, You know, you can go behind and do a a silent kill on an enemy. For instance, you have to press the E key, but you have to be in a right area for that. It's a little touchy. If they made that kind of like a B, which is another button, then you maybe wouldn't have to be right at the trigger point. So see,
1: and I felt the opposite because some of the skills in the maps. That you can get, for example, you have the ability to roll when you drop a longer distance to keep from taking damage, Mm -hmm. require you to push the, I think it's the C key, right, as you hit the ground. Yeah, crouch. And the same is true of a couple of the takedown moves. So I found that it was adding more keys, and that was becoming distracting to me because I either had to stop and try to figure out how to map them to my mouse, which wasn't too difficult mm-hmm. or I would just kind of forget they were there. Oh yeah, I've got this skill where I can do the takedown and I would only remember it, you know, when I was walking up on him. Oh yeah, I can just take this guy down. Yep. So I think that that's a plus though, because what that shows is that it supports multiple styles of play as well. Yeah. And very good point. So anyway, I think we both agree dying light, a great game, lots of fun and co-op. Yeah. And there's more content coming.
0: Yeah. Um, in terms of replayability, I have yet to finish it. So I'm not sure if I would play it again. Mm-hmm. Although since it's taking such a long time to play, unlike like Skyrim, for instance, I played right. a lot of hours of Skyrim. It has replayability. But once I got to the very end and all the missions done, it kind of lost it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to when the game is finally done.
1: One thing that I would suggest along those lines is I think there are four different difficulty levels and maybe a fifth that's unlockable. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely one of those games where you want to get in, play about 30 minutes or so, and then if it feels easy, it is. Start over on a higher difficulty level because if you're an experienced gamer, uh, you want that curve to be at the point where there is a real danger level to truly enjoy the game.
0: Yeah, good point, good point.
1: And lastly... I would for more information on the topics because, discussed in this podcast, dun, dun, please dun. consult our show notes on Hardware Asylum.com. Seamless or seamless. on the latest
0: at Hardware Asylum by subscribing and to our RSS. single player on iTunes. Join us on Facebook. It just is a on great, Google. great experience. So check it out. And uh, pick it Thanks up. Thanks for listening.
1: Maybe come invade our game.